Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, lovely listeners, readers, and fans of Twilight. I hope you're feeling thirsty today, because we are going to be reviewing chapters 11 through 15 of Twilight, in which Bella is really, really thirsty all the time. I hope you're ready for another edition of It's 2020, and we're reading Twilight! (laughs) I'm Em. I'm Sarah. And I hope you are ready to go, because this story is getting started. (laughs) I have never seen a character be so horny and praying for death at the same time. It's wonderful. It is absolutely beautiful. Really? Because I'm terrified. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) She is so so horny one of my my literally my first note is about her being horny really my first note is about a bad sporting scene happening again (laughs) (laughs) the opening scene in chapter 11 is them sitting in biology bella and edward you know our characters uh sitting in biology watching a movie I can only imagine because their biology teacher got inexplicably hammered the night before. Is that what happened? Do we have reason to believe that? Did I miss that detail? No, it's just uh, John Mulaney has led me to believe that the only reason we ever watch videos in school is because teachers get super hammered and don't want to teach the next day. Have you met teenagers? Yes. I wouldn't want to teach them either. Uh, Okay. So, anyway, so Bella and Edward, while they're sitting in class, Bella describes this remarkable tension that she feels between them, like electricity. And I cannot, I don't understand why, other than because she is so horny and Edward so badly wants to eat her. Okay. So, this happens again later. Uh, and I guess I'll just go ahead and, and put this up up now with this part because this is just a theme that carries through with her with her feelings on this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really sympathetic to Bella's issues with the desire for the physical contact here. Um, I can literally like when I'm when I'm want, wanting that physical contact, I feel like I can feel it in my body. Like it's it's just like you gotta have it and I'm like, I get it, Bella. I get it. And I don't even mean sexually, just like person romantic contact. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting into the part of the book that I remember so vividly uh, from my many readings. Like this is the part of the book that I was just really, really invested in. And so there's so many random moments that happen where I'm like, oh God, I remember being obsessed with this part or oh i remember exactly how i felt when this when i first read that this happened and it's really this is where it started coming back to me a lot yeah. more which says something about the first almost half of the book 
Yeah. I think it's just because it drags so much. And then once I think I, I probably like skipped through quite a lot, not really skipped through, but like, I guess skimmed through a lot of the first chapters of the book because it takes so long to get to the point where it's actually readable that it's just like the rest of it is just like whatever. That's probably why I always hated Mike and Jessica so much because I just like thought they were just like nothing, you know? Because this I, like, is where it gets I, good. <clears throat> we've commented so much about her inability to pace and I'm honestly curious what the hell the editorial process was for this book. And I'm not saying that to make a joke about it. Like I really want to know what happened because it seems like she has ideas and they're not bad ideas. I would hesitate to call all of them good ideas, but they're not bad ideas, at least. So, and an, an editor's job is to take that and go through it and then say, here's what you need to take out and consolidate and like grammar fixes and stuff, obviously. But yeah. like, it's like nobody went through and helped her do that how i i really don't know and i there are the the only thing that i can think is that there are some really vital scenes in the first 10 chapters um like the car scene and the um like the fact that she faints at the smell of blood and him not going to class that day because of the blood testing was actually like a really interesting detail even though like we said he could have just said no and yeah. what is, the teacher wouldn't have forced him to do it. Um, but then there's also the beach scene was really necessary. But that beach scene was set up in like chapter two because Mike invited her to go to the beach. And she yeah, said, it's yes. Is, it's, we are on chapter 11. We're getting into the meat of the book. And while there was stuff that was necessary that was laid out in the first 10 chapters... It was unnecessary to lay it out through 10 chapters. Yeah, I feel like it could have been consolidated quite a lot. Um, Fucking and... Smyers writing in a nutshell. Yeah, it's it's literally like, I remember, I think a thing about these books when they first came out was that teenage girls were freaking out about the fact that they were reading 500 page books. And it's a lot. Honestly, I wouldn't say it's impressive except for the fact that you have to get through the 500 pages. Yeah, but the thing is, like, we, we have to know about, like, a lot of young teenage girls, especially at the time this came out, is that we were still in a time when we weren't expected to be hyper-academic, and I we still aren't. Like, people still just, like, think that teenage girls are really vapid and shallow, and so, like, when girls would be seen walking around with these giant books, and it was just, like, every single girl was reading it, it was like, damn, like girls are really reading huh which is really stupid i mean i read constantly i had no friends but i also read all the time so i basically had fictional friends right i think that's how that works yeah okay. that's totally how that works so edward and bella have this weird chemistry during biology because she wants to just grab him and i get it because have you seen our pats and the <laughs> And he also, like, she also describes that he's always wearing, like, sweaters and stuff and, like, really soft. He's, like, wearing, like, a, a knit gray shirt to, in this chapter. And I can only imagine wanting to reach out and touch the soft fabric of his inexplicably expensive shirt. 
Ed's fashion choices are the best running joke in this novel. <laughs> it's bad. I'm just gonna say it. He was wearing a beige <laughs> jacket over an ivory turtleneck. Like, their fashion choices are so odd. Like, I get... Actually, that sounds like something... Like, a, a nice jacket with, like, a turtleneck. Sounds like something that I would expect people to wear now. But, like, in a different way than he's probably wearing it in yeah, Twilight. It, you know? It's not always that it's necessarily a bad choice. Like, the outfit that he has. It's just... They always seem weird and out of place. Yes. It's, it's, and it's also just because I know that the way I'm picturing it in my mind, where I'm like, yeah, he probably looks really hot wearing a turtleneck. That's not just what isn't he was right. meant. That's not <laughs> what he was meant to look like. Because, uh, like, even later when she's describing her long khaki skirt and her blue blouse, I was trying to consolidate the image of that in my head and make it fashionable. And all I could think was, I can't do that. Because that's not what Stephanie Meyer wrote. Like... <laughs> She wrote it ugly. Maybe if I do it, it ugly. I mean, if you do the skirt, no, no, doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So after biology, uh, she goes to gym where Mike actually gives her some very valid concerns about Edward, but Bella just laughs it off uh, mostly because well, she, she gets mad at him at first. Yeah, because she's like, "It's none of your business. He's your friend. He's trying to look out for you." Yeah, and I was like, regardless of what his romantic feelings are towards you, his concerns are still valid. Oh, absolutely. He says that he that Edward looks at Bella like she's something to eat. And in fact, yeah. he does look like at Bella like she's something it's to like, eat. It's like, wow, Mike, you fucking nailed it on that one. Like, yes, he is correct. Like... I understand you don't want to listen to it because it's coming from Mike, who you know has feelings for you, but doesn't mean he is wrong. In that same chapter, she made a comment about how easy it is to like him. Like, she's openly admitting that she does like him, that he is her friend. And then he's like, hey, I'm really worried about you because Edward just doesn't act right around you. And she's like, you're right, but... I'm horny. And so she just ignores what he says. Uh, stupid bitch. <laughs> so then Edward drives Bella home and explains the extremely obvious reasons that Bella can't watch him hunt. We talked about this in the last episode, but it is so stupid that she's like, can I see it? Yeah. <laughs> It's like she just wants to see what Edward's going to do to her later. <laughs> oh, rip me apart, Daddy Ed. Rip me apart. She's really like, every time I see Kristen Stewart like walk into a scene in a film, I'm like, oh, step on me. That's what Bella is doing with Edward every step time. Step on he... you or have an intense sword fight with you and then beat you and pin you against a wall. <laughs> oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But... So it's, he needs to stop first. Edward, first of all, really needs to stop everything. But specifically, he needs to stop reading everybody's minds when they're talking to Bella. Because yeah, he is real stalking. Creepy. He is, it's like, it, it, she needs to be able to have a conversation with someone without knowing that Edward is going to hear everything that she's saying. It's... It, it, I feel like that would be a really big trust issue too. Because like, it's one of those things where even if you don't, 
even if he says he isn't doing it anymore, you have no way to know he isn't doing it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I love my husband, but there are conversations that, and not that I specifically don't want him to hear, but that I just have knowing that he's not going to hear it. Mostly when I'm talking about the little annoying things that he does. Like being a little bitch? Oh, yeah, definitely like being a little bitch. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> <But> it's, <laughs> it's not even like, I, I guess it's, it's, I don't think that Bella needs to have conversations that Edward can't hear because she needs to keep anything from him. It's just you as an individual need to be able to have a conversation out of earshot of whoever the fuck you want. Like, you don't need to make every single conversation the, the business of your partner. And that's exactly what Edward is doing. No, having separate lives is an important aspect of having a healthy relationship. And Edward is not allowing that to happen. <laughs> so the following morning, um, Charlie asks Bella if she's going to Seattle. She says that's the that was the plan. Fully lying to him about the fact that she is no longer going to Seattle and is instead going to spend the day with Edward. Um, and then Edward picks her up for school and he starts asking her questions. This makes her so uncomfortable. And it is baffling to me that it makes her so uncomfortable because when you're really getting to know someone that you have feelings for, you typically ask them a lot of questions about them. Wait, is that how relationships work? Yeah. Yeah, usually you tell the people you care about things about you. This is why my relationships always go poorly. Yeah, this is also why I don't know where you live. Nobody needs to know where I live. <laughs> Nobody can be trusted. It's actually because you recently moved, so I just haven't gotten around to getting your address. They don't need to address. know the truth. Let me be mysterious <laughs> like Edward. I want to be more like Edward. I've been to your home many times. <laughs> um... Yeah, she tells him she misses Brown. <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs> Who misses Brown? Your note about Cleveland made me laugh so hard <laughs> when I was reading it. <laughs> somewhere, yeah, somewhere a Cleveland fan is threatening to murder me, thinking that I give a shit about sports rivalries, but I don't. <laughs> For context, we are, well, he's, uh, Emmy is not from Cincinnati, but I am from Cincinnati, uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals, which is a football team, American football team, uh, their rival is the Cleveland Browns, and they're named after the guy who founded them, whose name was Mike Brown, uh, not, and it was not after people who are brown. Are you sure? I'm, I'm positive, and that's coming from someone who actively protests the name of our high school because we were the Anderson. I'm not going to say it because it's a, it's a racial slur. But. No, beep it out. Beep it out. <laughs> we are the, out Anderson the Anderson, too. Beep. We don't need people to know Anderson. They'll start to get in on us. They'll know oh, too yeah. much. <laughs> All right. So, um, then Edward pulls out the Edward is asking about music and so Bella is like oh I was just listening to this like metal band and then he pulls out the same CD from his thing and he's like shocked that she listens to both Debussy and whatever band this is except Bella except he also listens to them so I don't <laughs> it's 
such a weird scene to me. I was just like, it. It. I re- feel like maybe it's supposed to be cute, but it's not really cute. And it's it reads just- so much to me, like when a guy is shocked that a girl knows how to fix her own taillight. And he's like, oh my god, but you wear dresses. You can, like, hold a wrench in your hand. I like games. Oh, oh, uh, what games do you like? Candy Crush? Actually, I just beat The Witcher 3 for the third time. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, that's supposed to be the scene where he's like, oh my god, she has depth. Take me. Really bad. Uh, Really bad. Uh, You may know. Oh, go ahead. This is also the scene where we, like, like we said, he just keeps throwing questions at her about herself, and we just skip them. Oh my god! Meyer just literally ignores the ability to give answers to questions about Bella and give her backstory and more, yeah. like, personality uh, with in regards to her interests, and just glosses over. I'm like, why? Why is this the point where you finally decided to gloss over something it really gets me because not only does she not go into bella's past now she never does we never learn anything about bella before she was in forks and not to get on the super this book is really misogynistic train but the fact that we learn every detail about Edward's life that we possibly can because he does say that he forgets everything about when he was human. But we don't learn a single goddamn thing about Bella before Edward Cullen came into her life is so bananas insane that it makes my skin crawl. Why is her life so inconsequential before Edward, but Edward's entire existence is the meat of this story? But but Sarah. What? Is Shakespeare's Macbeth misogynistic towards women? (laughs) You know what? Yes. But not as much as Stephanie Meyer's Twilight is. Boom. I said it. I would drop my mic if my husband didn't pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, typical women wanting freedom and rights and then enjoying the fruits of their husband's labor. It's a joint bank account, okay? <laughs> He's just the one who clicked on the the buy now option on the Amazon card. Didn't even pick out the mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so... Edward drives Bella home after school. Yes. And uh, they just sit in the driveway all day and talk until literally, like, night is coming. And, uh... It starts to rain, and they're just out in the rain together. And Ed's like, oh my god, we have a problem. And just disappears. And then Jacob pulls into the driveway with Billy Black. Jacob! Uh, Jacob! And you're going to hear me say Billy, that a lot. Billy sees all. <laughs> Shut the fuck Billy up. Billy knows all. Stop. Billy is the lead singer of the internationally renowned punk rock sensation Green Day. But more than that, he is Wolfman. And he saw her with Edward, and he will not allow it. I thought that joke was stupid when I read it in your notes, and I I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
Are you telling me that Billy Black is secretly Billy Joe Armstrong from the band Green Day? Secretly? It's no secret. <laughs> what a twist that would have what been. What do you think Boulevard of Broken Dreams about? It's about the loss of Bella's future when she decided to be with <laughs> Edward. I would scream if if Stephanie Meyer refused to name any brands whatsoever, but then Billy Black was actually Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> Green Day, Black, Black Day. Ah. Ah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, but also in this scene when they're still in the car, uh, they're talking about it getting dark. And Bella's like, I like the night because Ed doesn't because he's had to live a lot of time in the night. And she's like, without the dark, we'd never see the stars. And it's just the most gut-wrenching, bad motivational quote I could see being printed on the front of some journal that, like, (laughs) a 13-year-old girl buys to use as a diary. I, so I would have loved that line so much more if she was, like, looking up at the sky and she was like... Without the dark, we couldn't see the stars. Uh, or whatever. Like, she clearly, like... <laughs> like, thought... if she acknowledged it, it would be <laughs> fine. But the fact it goes unacknowledged is just like, oh, oh. Smires. That's cringy. My favorite lines in any book about teenagers are when they say something unexpectedly profound, and then at the end of it, they're like, oh, or whatever. And <laughs> because it's so cringy and weird that they were just so, like, deep meaningful it's so good Uh, or whatever needs to be in every single book but that's the end of chapter 11 and chapter 12 is still boring believe it or not it's okay we're getting there we're getting real close now chapters 13 14 and 15 flew by when i was reading them felt like i was actually (laughs) reading for the first time and not trying to climb a mountain of shit So Jacob and Billy Black spend the evening with Charlie and Bella, but Bella becomes super worried that Billy is going to tell Charlie uh, that uh, she was with Edward. But Jacob says, no worries, bro, because Charlie likes the Cullens. And the last time that uh, Billy and Charlie talked about the Cullens, they had a huge fight. So I was, yeah, Bella is saved from Charlie's wrath at the moment because of his previous wrath. His good guy wrath in defending the Cullens' dignity and honor. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then Bella and Charlie have a happy moment uh, because Charlie is a great dad. Charlie Uh, is a great dad. I had it it bookmarked, but I lost it. I have another one later. Best through line of the book. Yeah. I had another line later bookmarked, but we'll get there. Uh, that Charlie says that he's just so good. Like, I don't understand how Smyre can be so mean to this man. And he is so good. Like, she basically wrote him to be super convenient. But in doing that, she just made him the most understanding and kind parent in this entire book. And then fucked him. Mm Mm-hmm. The ending of this book makes me cry, specifically because of what Bella does to Charlie. Uh, But the following morning, Edward drives Bella to school again and continues questioning her. Uh, And at, 
lunch, they have an extensive, like, very long conversation about the fact that he needs to go feed. Like, he needs to go hunt something before he can be alone with her, because otherwise he's going to kill her. And in Bella's head, she's like, huh, sounds great. Um, but after lunch, he leaves for the day, but not without retrieving Bella's truck so she can drive home. Ah, he actually cares. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Bella and Charlie have another nice moment. So one of the things I noticed here is that uh, every time Bella says something that actually like genuinely makes me laugh in the moment, Edward's response is just like glaring at her. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Because in this one, she he was like, what is your dad going to think if he uh, if you don't come home? And she's like, well, I have a lot of laundry to do, so he'll probably just assume I fell in the washer. And I'm like, That's exactly yes. what he'll think, Bells. Good job. Um, I'm here for you. Bella is an amazing character when she is not being helplessly submissive to Ed. Yeah. She's an I, amazing character when you don't live inside her head and you just get to enjoy her witty remarks. Yeah, her, like, random one-liners about being so clumsy she's almost disabled. And I want to be clear. That's... I'm not laughing because of disabled people. I'm laughing because I hate Bella Swan. <laughs> Uh, Sarah's um, a terrible person. Don't let her fool you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So the Cullens Wait. are... What? Speaking of disabled. What? The Cullens are staring at walls all the <laughs> <laughs> They just sit there in the cafeteria staring at walls. Oh my God. Wait a minute. It. Oh no. M. M. Okay. Humor what? me for a second. Okay. What if instead of them being vampires, the reason that they stare at each other in the cafeteria or at walls, they don't speak much, and they don't eat anything, at least that that Bella can see. Aliens. (laughs) Aliens. I was going to say it's because they all had autism. And Bella has just never encountered someone with autism before. Oh my god. And so she's like, they're monsters. And everybody else is like, Bella. (laughs) I want this. I want Bella, the just terrible villain. (laughs) (laughs) She's just a horrible person who has never encountered someone on the autism spectrum before. And so she's like, they don't eat. And they talk weird. and (laughs) And they don't have any friends except for each other. Yeah, Bella, no, we 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 know. We don't be mean to them. Like why, they're living their you, lives normally. You're criticizing them. They're doing their best. Damn. Their attempts to blend in are my favorite unintended oh, yeah. side plot of this book, though. Like oh, I love yeah. it. Every time it comes up, I'm just like, oh. I think what I just want to me... read a book just that switches between the five perspectives of the Cullen children just trying to not stand out in any way but they stand out so much what gets me is they 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 Edward says later that the reason they pretend to be so young um so like they go back to high school so many times is because they want to be able to stay in one place for an extended period of time but it's like they're not even being convincing. Why go to no. why go to school? You could just be homeschooled. Or better yet, you are in a small town. You could just live in that house and not talk to anyone and they will leave you the fuck alone. 
Well, he does say they want to have normal life, but like they don't talk to anyone outside the home anyway, so it's kind of irrelevant. Like, yeah, they aren't doing a very good job of even trying to live. Like, yeah, like they don't make it's any bad. other friends. They so poorly written at all. It is really bad. <laughs> um, so in Bella, Bella makes a remark that you made a note uh, about, where she says, "My life is about him." Yeah. And it's really I, bad. It's bad. The thing is, we can't keep talking about this over and over again about how absorbed she is with him. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to touch on this one specifically for a moment. Yes. And then let it rest. Yes. There are it's a sentiment that I've heard a lot where it's your your life your your life can never be about your partner. You have to have other things. Yeah. And I, a lot of the times disagree with the way it's used because it's used when people, like, for example, if somebody loses their partner, like, for any reason, and they're like, well, you have to be able to move on with your life. You can't, your life can't be about them. It's like, well, yeah, but at the same time, if you're with somebody, it should be extremely life-altering for you to lose them. So yeah. I don't really agree with that. The point is that you have to still have things you can do outside of them and a personality outside of them. And you have to yeah. be able to balance your thoughts and feelings for them with your thoughts and feelings for yourself so that you're taken care of. Yeah. And like, she's doing the la- She's not doing the latter yeah. <laughs> at all. Exactly. Just like my husband... Uh, right now he's playing video games and I am torturing myself. So we have different activities that we can do that we both enjoy. And see, that's good. If you, <laughs> if he had to sit there and be tortured by you while you did this, that would be a bad thing. He does have to hear all of this though. Cause this is in the open Shh. area of our living and dining space. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's hard because I I don't want to write off the devotion that young people can feel towards their significant others because I was 18 when my husband and I started dating um and so I was I was right around Bella's age and I was so hopelessly in love with him so fast granted we've been friends for 6 years so <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of ruins the point but um, we were just like so like we were talking about being together forever a couple of months into our relationship and it's but it, this isn't I, a couple of months into their relationship I know <laughs> I know I know just let me just let me get to the I, point I'm gonna let you I'm gonna just go, just go, okay. just go. <laughs> so I get I get it I don't I would never want to discount the way that someone can feel about their significant other based on how old they are but I will base it on the fact that you don't know him you just met him like two like a month and a half ago and he was rude to you for most of that month and a half he has openly stated that he will kill you and you have so much else in your life that you can look forward to. I don't understand why you are so absorbed by this guy, especially because you are so young and you have so much time to figure shit out. If you're in a really good relationship, um, like the one I hope to one day have with my husband, I can understand. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, she's but, not. <laughs> but I can I understand. sit outside their room at night like Edward and just listen in on their arguments. It's terrible. It's usually I have to us... cuddle Brandon to sleep sometimes. <laughs> it's usually us arguing about which side of the bed our cat is going to sleep on. <laughs> but I, I get it. I When you're young and if you find something really, really good, like, like I managed to, I get wanting to just like <laughs> hop in and let yourself be absorbed by the relationship. But Bella does not... I'm about to get on my high horse here. Bella and Edward do not have what me and Brandon have. No. And I mean, I'm in the same boat. I was Bella's age when I got into my relationship with a different Sarah, not not the Sarah I am talking <laughs> to, but a different Sarah. Other Sarah. It's It does get confusing. Don't worry. And while things may be complicated at the moment, you know, like we're still talking to each other and like being normal with each other while being 14 hours. So it's like even after god eight years almost and we met at the same age as bella met edward so it's like no i get it right there with you i can i can understand those feelings bella doesn't should not have those feelings she shouldn't (laughs) she's not allowed you are not entitled to those feelings you damn zoomer wait no oh my god she's not even is she a millennial she's a millennial she's a millennial yeah she's a millennial you're a millennial i'm not a millennial (laughs) I'm a millennial. I'm a Zoomer. I like to eat Tide Pods. Uh, my two <laughs> my two best friends uh, were born about four months before me, and they are millennials, <laughs> and I am Gen Z. How does it feel to be a completely different person because of that four months? <laughs> it, I, I am, I am, I'm an elder Gen Z, to be fair. I'm 24. I'm married. I like have a bachelor's degree. I am not the Zoomer that people think of Look, when they think about Gen Z. Generations are a spectrum, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, at the, right. but back, back to the chapter. The end of the chapter, <laughs> Bella is super antsy about going on this, tr- uh, on this little outing with Ed. And so... <laughs> she drinks cold medicine and she's like or no she takes pills she takes cold pills she takes she's cold like pills. i wouldn't normally condone doing something like this but i just couldn't sleep and i'm like oh no next she's gonna try melatonin what if she gets prescribed sudafed oh she calls taking cold medicine gratuitous drug use <laughs> gratuitous oh I my have, god i have a friend who is probably on molly as we speak who would love to read this chapter <laughs> i would like to clearly state that i have not even been drunk in my life before <laughs> and i am laughing at this girl in this book <laughs> absolutely insane by the time i was her age i had done that like i had used the trick to take like benadryl or nyquil or something see how i'm naming the brands of the medication i take yeah you're allowed it's fine um (laughs) but i had done that so many times because i was severely depressed and um i just really wanted to be asleep and not have to be awake anymore i don't Um, think that's a good reason (laughs) 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 no 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 i mean yes yeah we should let's 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 state that 
abusing cold medicine is bad, but yes. this is ridiculous. No, but like, absolutely not. But I will say that if you really, really, really need to get some sleep, just take some cold medicine. It's not like a moral high ground if you don't. like. Or some Dramamine. Take some damn Dramamine. Uh, yeah, just like go to the corner store and pick up some melatonin. Gee, like it's it's not uh, oh it's really not that big of a deal. I promise you. This is one of those moments where I'm honestly questioning if it's the Mormon influence because, like, well, in Mormonism, depending on how strict you are, yeah, like you don't even drink caffeine because it's yeah. a drug. So it's like, is this just one of those strange Mormon tendencies yeah. that happen to be kicked into the writing, despite the <laughs> fact that she somehow avoids religion even really being. Yeah, she doesn't want to say hell. And so at one point she says that she curses Jessica to the fiery pits of Hades. She says a lot of weird things. Well, there, she there makes is... up a lot of weird phrases. Well, yeah, but it's definitely purely a Bella thing because Edward talks about going to hell all the time. Yeah. And so it's like... She it's also not says even... stuff like, he, do he doesn't know me from Eve and... Holy crow. <laughs> what is that? What, what is holy crow? I don't know. I was like, I, legit, everyone's that... like, Stephanie, so... you're not Shakespeare. Stop trying to make things happen. I, I know. It's like, where is Stephanie Meyer from? Is she from Utah? She did go to BYU. But I don't know, like, where, where she's from. She was born in Connecticut. Okay. Is that a thing in Connecticut? Connecticut. Not that I know of. Connecticut. If you say holy crow, please let us know because every time I read it, I laugh hysterically. Yeah, I need some. I, I actually <clears throat> do need somebody to like tell me if yeah. the shit that Stephanie puts in this book is real things or if she's actually just making up sayings. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could Google it, but that's not <clears throat> as fun. So, anyway, the following morning, Bella and Edward drive out of town. Edward makes fun of her for driving slow. Um, and Bedward, at Bedward. Uh, the perfect ship name, Bedward. <laughs> Bedward. Better than Bughead, am I right? Oh! Uh, it's, a it. it's a Riverdale thing. Oh, I'm, I'm I, cultured. I need to put it out there. I watched season one of Riverdale, said that it was ridiculous, and stopped. So no one is allowed to make fun of me for watching Riverdale because the first season was really not as bad as it is now. But it's I don't insane. even know what Riverdale is. You don't know what Riverdale is? Okay, we'll talk about it later. I'll have, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> we cannot get into it. It's Archie Comics, but on the CW. Huh. So, so Bella uh, reveals to Edward that she didn't tell anyone where she was going because she told Jessica that her Seattle trip was canceled and she told Charlie that the Seattle trip is canceled. And so everybody thinks that she's just going to stay home. So this pisses Edward off. Oh yeah. They have a nice long hike through the woods, despite Edward being salty that he could kill her and no one would ever know. I'm just like, okay, this is just, I understand why he feels the way he does, but it still very much comes off as the abusive partner. Like, why did you do something that will make yeah. me do something? Kind of, I'm just like, oof. I don't like how close it is. <laughs> here's here's the thing. The only thing I'll give to Ed's defense in this um, is because basically he's saying that because 
nobody knows that he's with her, it'll be harder for him to control his urges because he knows that no one would ever know what happened to her. Um, But every single day leading up to this, he begged her to tell Charlie. He told her repeatedly, please, like, tell Charlie where you're going. Tell someone where you're going to be, please. Like, he's, like, telling her ahead of time because he's, like, making her overtly aware of the danger that she's putting herself in. And I know that... I God, this is this sounds like I'm being an abuse apologist, but I feel like he spends so much time trying to make it succinctly clear that he is dangerous and will hurt her if she doesn't stay away. That in some way she is putting herself in this situation. See, I feel like his anger would be, like I said, I get where he's coming from. I feel like it would be better justified if he had instead of like just making comments to her about it and asking her to do it. If he like, if we got a sit down conversation with them where he was like, listen, it is very hard for me. I'm trying to control this. I need you to tell people Uh for me to make this easier. If you want to do, if you want to be able to see me like this. And then that way, when she didn't do it anyways, he was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally on your side. Don't get me wrong. If he had killed her, it would have been her fault, but <laughs> no, if he had killed her, it would have been his fault. don't need her blood. <laughs> if he had killed her, it would have been his fault, okay? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I guess I I just I guess I just get where Ed is coming from because he's like, yeah. yeah, I tried. I'm what? What more do I need to tell you? And then later when he's like, we'll get to it. It's literally in the next chapter. Um yeah, these the the thing is they're always just so shitty with each other. And I hate it because like every scene up into this point in the book that they're together, they are making like shitty comments back or forth or they're arguing or they're getting mad at each other. And I'm like, why do you want to be around each other when like almost everything is so negative when you two are together? I just. I will say it does get better from here. As we can see in the next three chapters, they actually are like getting along and stuff. But leading up to this point, there is no reason for us to feasibly believe that they would want to be together. It just doesn't make any sense. And Um, I feel like up until this point, I was like, I feel like I'm reading a book about two shitty people getting into a shitty relationship together. And it's like, why? I don't know why I should care about two shitty people getting into a shitty relationship exactly it's it's it does uh, it's very confusing it really like and as much as we are like complaining about like the writing and stuff it's just like it 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 does it's every, it's every scene that comes after like scene after scene you're like this makes no sense. And then every time the next scene, it still doesn't make sense. And so it's just a progression through 12 chapters of this relationship, not making sense. And at some point you're finally in chapter 13 onward, you get to it, but it's just like for so long, you're just trying to understand how. Yep. It's, it's bonkers. It doesn't make any sense. They have a, they have some nice moments in between, but it, I feel like on the surface it is, and they've talked about this before. I had a behind the scenes, um, like Twilight movie book and the uh, director, Catherine Hardwick really described it as being like an animal attraction 
Which is funny considering how virginous this story is. Um, but <laughs> not, not if Bella had anything to say about it. <laughs> not if Bella had anything to say about it. You're damn right. Uh, but that is the end of chapter 12. Chapter 13 is... Chapter 13 and 14 and 15 are so succinct that it is actually very readable. Yeah, it, it was pleasant to read <laughs> and get through. I was like, oh, look at this 60-something pages that isn't bad. Absolutely. What? It's bonkers for me because I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is actually... I, I enjoyed myself reading this. Don't quote me on that. I, it made it made me feel things. Yes. One of my notes I had in here was like, this is the first time since reading this book, starting to read this book, that I felt anything aside from boredom or anger. Yes. At what I was reading. I, I definitely agree with you. So chapter 13, uh, I'm just going to summarize it real fast and then we can pick it the fuck apart. Um, but so Edward sparkles, Bella thinks he's godly. We all know how it goes. Uh, at one point, Bella gets too close. So Edward, uh, demonstrates that he could kill her with ease. Not that we didn't already know that. Uh, he's only said it 40 billion times, but this time he decides to rip a- You need a demonstration. <laughs> he's really got to rip a branch off a tree. And I remember this scene specifically because they actually did it like word for word, line for line in the movie. And uh, I remember being actually a little bit terrified when I saw Robert Pattinson like running around and like ripping a tree branch off a tree. I was like, Bella, I don't understand you right now. I would be running. Well, I don't run, but you know. <laughs> My legs um, don't locomote that quickly. <laughs> nope. Um, but at one point they do hug, which is nice. They, they do this weird thing in this book where she describes the way that Edward, like, touches himself to Bella, where he'll, like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. He just, like, for some reason will just run his nose or his lips, like, up and down or her his face. Cheek. Or his cheek. And, like, I get it. <laughs> at, at, he's trying to test whether or not he can like touch himself to her without but like he keeps doing it. i know he continues <laughs> to do that forever like that is something that is described throughout like every single book is him just like weirdly idly touching her or brushing his mouth up her face and i'm like this is not this is i remember thinking it was weird when i was a 12 year old i was like why is he not just kissing her stop it you freak <laughs> it reminds um, me you know it's like it's like a animal like an animal would do like a dog rubbing their head against you or like a cat but yes but he's a vampire not a wolf man so i don't understand it's so odd um so then they do manage to hug and they seemingly hug for hours they literally just sit there with bella just like hugging him um and against her chest yes i'm surprised we got that much breast contact i know uh, then Edward carries Bella back to the truck, driving real fast, uh, and he kisses her and is borderline offended when she kisses <laughs> him back. 
so intense. He later describes this as her attacking him. She, like, touches the back of his head and, like, tries to, like, deepen their kiss. And he's just like... He didn't do that. He just went really stone cold and stopped everything he was doing. It was a good kiss from what it read. And... The only thing it left me thinking was that Ed ain't the only thirsty hoe up in these woods. Oh, yeah. God. She's, like, this is the, this is, and we've talked about this before, but this is the first example of Bella having sincere sexual agency and knowing that she wants to have sex with Edward, but him frequently denying her and it becoming a point of weakness for her to where she often gets mocked for it, even though it is a totally normal and human thing to want to fuck your beautiful vampire boyfriend. Ha, you want to have sex with your partner that you think is attractive. Freak. It's it, it's honestly so frustrating. And I've talked about this. I talked about this to you before we even started doing this podcast. Because Bella is portrayed as having little emotional or sexual control over herself. And Edward is often rebuffing her and saying that they can't they can't be sexual with each other which on the surface seems like oh he's being protective because he knows that he can't control himself but that then puts the blame on bella were something bad to happen because she is a human being who wants to be intimate with her partner and scene women are the downfall of men um, or so <laughs> many teach us. Exactly. And that is definitely where Stephanie Meyer's like fundamental religion, religious background comes into play quite a lot because evil temptress archetype for the win. Yeah. Because, uh, Bella is Eve and, uh, tempting Adam Edward with the fruit of knowledge and it, of her body, of her body. Bow, 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 bow. Uh, so... Oh my god, a good sex scene would really make this better. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if they just like fucked in the middle of the meadow, how wild would that be? If it was like 250 pages and then all of a sudden they're banging in a field somewhere? Whew. <sighs> Where's your first time? Middle of a forest. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so I, my only note on this is, well, ugh, boys. Because he's so mean about her kissing him. Uh, and then there is so much talking in this chapter. It is actually just one cohesive scene. Yeah. Just flows nicely. Makes everything that happens make sense. It all fits together. It forms a narrative structure. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it left me with a lot of questions though. Like, for example, we finally get the Sparkle Boy reveal. Yeah. And, uh, why in the fuck did he ever <laughs> think that would scare anyone? I, I could see people thinking it's weird or interesting and at the worst laughing at him so they say this later that the only reason that they can't like go out in the sun is because people would freak out if they saw him but it's it's definitely more that people would know something was different about him and that would lead to his kind being revealed i truly don't understand though why he thought bella would be afraid of him for sparkling for sparkling and i yeah i think (laughs) like the anger and the fist clenching and the threats of death didn't scare her off. But damn it, that sparkle on his skin was just too much. If anything, I feel like that is the most 
off-putting thing about him other than the murder. But, like, I... The fact that he thought that would be scary <laughs> is He's the from most a different troubling. time. From oh, a different time, are you saying Sarah. that people in the year of our Lord 1918 hated glitter? They were very scared of glitter. The gays weren't real yet. Oh, oh God. Oh no, you're right. The gays weren't real. Even uh, we weren't real people. Oh, gosh. So. I will say Ed's outburst in the forest is the first good moment of drama in the book. I fully understand his frustration in that moment and was actually. Yeah, I was actually like, okay, I told I get where you're coming from, because he's sitting in front of a woman who is who he finds to be very extraordinary whether or not we agree with him is beside the point uh he thinks that she's incredible he thinks uh she thinks that he is incredible and all she wanted was to be closer to him and so she leans in but in that moment he is faced with the fact that he is borderline unable to control himself from murdering her and so he gets up and he bolts and then he like does he does his whole show thing with breaking everything and I'm like I get like I definitely read him like breaking the branches and like running around everything is not as just him demonstrating but is him like rebelling against the fact that he could do it especially when he gets into like when he's talking about he's like I have all these things that attract you to me already um I don't need this. And it's like, he's stuck with the fact that he just wishes he could be a normal person, but he can't. But not only that, he attracts normal people that he wishes he could be with and be around, but he can't allow himself to give in to that. And then if he doesn't control himself, he might accidentally Mm -hmm. kill them too. And it's like, yeah, that's, that would feel awful. And that would fuck you up mentally. Yeah. I also view this very much as, because this is the tipping point in the story. This is where we go from Edward and Bella are two separate people to Edward and Bella are a couple and they love each other. And again, whether or not we agree that the passionate love they have is realistic or makes any sense at all, that is what happens. And She's so, the most important thing to him now or ever, as he says in this scene. Yeah. So... I really view this as Edward, even though he doesn't say the words, he's basically saying to Bella, this is your last chance. Yeah. Like he gets up and he rips the branch off the tree. He sprints around at the speed of light. And he's basically like showing her exactly what he's capable of without obviously hurting her. And he's trying to communicate. If you don't leave now, this is the tipping point. Like we can't go back. And uh, I thought that was actually a really good moment. I agree. And uh, it kind of, it leads into the throat touchy scene where he's rubbing on her throat for the first time and stuff. And uh, Bella is real into it. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of get it. Because there is, on a conceptual level, I get where she's coming from. Because there's kind of an allure to being in that intimate of a position with something that is so dangerous for you um 
but I just feel like Myers Meyer, execution on it just isn't. Yeah, I actually great. really am fascinated by that specific part. Um, I remember really enjoying it in the book as well because. Um, there is definitely a certain level of intimacy before, especially if you are timid about being intimate with someone before you actually get to an intimate stage where you, before you've kissed or anything like that, where it's just like the light touch and the, the gentle caress of a hand is very, very alluring. And especially like if she, she views him let's say, as a good person. And so she sees him basically fighting his own demons and being able to overcome them. And the first place that he touches her, like, of his own volition, is, like, right on her throat, where he would, in theory, be sucking her blood from if he were to lose control. So it's obvious that this is his attempt at overcoming that. And it's actually... I. I really, I get it. I think that, again, like you said, she just didn't execute it very well. It was odd. Yeah. She, uh, that, that's why, like I said it earlier, I said it in, I think, the last episode is that a lot of the times it's not that her ideas are bad, or it's just her flawed execution of those ideas. Yeah, very much so. Um, and then... Go ahead. Uh, by the end of this chapter, we're three-fifths of the way through this book. And it would have been a lot more enjoyable. Like this, so this chapter was the best chapter in the book so far. So far, absolutely. But I think what is bad about it is that everything that came before it put in so much work to sabotage the enjoyment of the scene. Because while everything that's happening within the scene is good, and like you're seeing them behave towards each other in a way that makes you think oh these aren't bad people oh maybe they can be I would like to see them be together it's kind of cute everything that came before that is still bad and so it's like yeah wow the whole Uh. beginning really (laughs) just kind of ruined the setup it was trying to build it's what's sad is like you're sitting here and you're like oh so they're together now and they actually have some very cute moments they actually flirt with each other they're very sweet the flirting's and, actually flirting yeah they're they're sweet and gentle with each other but all i could think the whole time was like you could have done this with mike and he wouldn't kill you <laughs> and he wasn't threatening you for large portions of the book he was always there for you he was a good pal but I'll be saying the same thing at the beginning of Eclipse. <laughs> look, look, no one is ever obligated to be with somebody because those people are good to them. However, you're right. Bella passes up every better option available <laughs> to go for the worst option. Yeah, I'm not saying that, oh, because Mike is a good guy, you should be with him. I'm just saying you should, if you're going to choose <laughs> between the two, I don't, don't choose that word understand why you wouldn't choose Mike. I would choose Mike. Which this has to be confusing. I would choose Alice. If he is listening because my father's name is Mike. I can't imagine him getting through four episodes of this to hear that. <laughs> Hi dad. Uh, if he if he does holy shit because he couldn't get through a single one of these movies but to listen to us hyper analyze 25 chapters of the book he's going for the charlie award (laughs) 
Okay, well, that's pretty much the end of chapter 13. Chapter 14 is actually... Pretty much. It is the end. It is It's a definite end. end. It's a chapter. Uh, It had a start. It had a story. And it had an end. Yeah, I know. It wasn't just a bunch of scenes cobbled together. And I feel like the reason that all of those scenes in the earlier chapters were all just, like, randomly cobbled together is because Smyre felt like she had to have a bunch of little scenes leading up to this versus... She, you don't, you don't, but I think she didn't know how to lengthen the scenes that we already had, which is probably why it was so difficult to get to this point. Um, but in chapter 14, which is another, uh, I don't want to call it short. I don't want to call these chapters short because they're definitely not physically short. It's just, they're so well structured. Yes. That it, it, (laughs) it makes the discussion, the discussion is a little less elongated because there is less random shit to pick apart in the very first episode i discussed the fact that smyers doesn't seem to understand what arcs and beats are yes in chapter 13 she finally learns what story beats and character arcs are (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so chapter 14 edward drives bella home and he finally tells her how old he is. And we have the famous line of how old are you? 17. How long have you been? 17. A while. And you know what? It's a fine line. Is it a fine line? Are they walking a fine line right now? <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's okay. People give it a lot of shit. But I totally get because he's like, he is eternally 17, right? Uh, but he is also actually like, a hundred years old yeah we've talked about that so i i actually (laughs) am firmly in the camp that edward while accruing more wisdom and intellect over the years does not actually mature past being 17 god can you imagine being permanently stuck into a 17 year old relationship no i would kill myself can't Fuck, I forgot. The knives don't even cut your skin. (laughs) They're like indestructible. They have to be torn apart and burned. Uh. But, so either way, I I actually firmly believe that that is the intention here. That even though he has obviously read a few more books, he is still mentally 17. Because I really just wish that that was elaborated. (laughs) Well, no, he actually, there is a little hint of it. Because he says that Esme was afraid for him because he never found anyone. And she thought it was because he had been turned too young. Oh, I do remember reading that. So his brain hadn't, like, developed enough yet to, like, have the instinct to want to go be with someone. Esme's so innocent, she doesn't realize that 17-year-olds definitely, definitely want that. I think it's definitely more along the lines of he doesn't, he, she doesn't know if. settle down. Yeah, well, he doesn't want to settle down. And that's actually gives, like, that's the line that made me be like, okay, so maybe there is some credence to the fact that even though he is 100 years old, he's still 17 at heart. And that's how I'm choosing to read the rest of the books because it makes me feel less gross. Yeah, I think that if I don't choose to read it like that, it's going to get. Sad. Yeah. Because Bella has multiple panic attacks about getting older than him. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so he finally reveals how old he is, talking about how he, quote unquote, died and was saved by Carlisle. He explains how his family came to be. 
the multiple giving backstory on the multiple other characters. We have more backstory about Rosalie than we do about Edward. Not Edward, about Bella. Ed was the first one that Carlisle turned mm-hmm. to, which was I didn't remember that and I was like, oh that's surprising. I didn't expect it to be Ed. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they say later that he was really, really lonely. I don't remember what book they talk about this in. I think it might be Breaking Dawn. They talk about how he was lonely and he was looking for what? It was in this chapter. It was? Yeah, he he... said that a lot of the times people get uh, the first time is because they get lonely and they turn someone. And then that's why he turned Ed. I swear I did read the chapter. Um, Are you sure? (laughs) Positive. 31 times. Um, Ugh. So, like, I get it. He was lonely. He wanted someone to be with. He had been alive for, like, 200-something years at this point. I'm surprised he made it that far. But he is said to have, like, incredible restraint. He later, at, at, I don't remember, some point in one of the books. Oh, I think it's actually New Moon. He's the one who has to, like, whisk her out of the room when she's, like, all bloody because of the coffee table. Because everybody else in the room is freaking out because there's so much blood. I mean, he does work in a hospital. He does. That's actually, yeah, incredible. Carlisle is also a good dad. Um... So he changes, he changes Edward, he changes Rosalie, he changes Esme, he changes Emmett. But Jasper and Alice came from somewhere else because Jasper was turned by a band of rogue vampires when he was a Confederate soldier. Hey, remember that time that he (laughs) fought for slavery? (laughs) I... Are we going to address that? Are we going to address that, Sarah? They address it later. I don't, for the fucking life of me, remember if he's repentant at all. But honestly. just made him a Union soldier. I know. I know. (laughs) She could have. have And avoided the whole potential conflict. She didn't have to do it in the Civil War at all. How about that? (laughs) I'm not, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I, while. If you're going to make him a Confederate soldier, you have to have redemption for it. You have to include the exactly. redemption. I, and the thing is, like, there are a lot of men during the war who were sent to war completely unknowing what they were fighting for. Just yeah. with, just with every single war. I have no idea. you have to address I, it. I can't fucking remember at all if Jasper was like, I hate black people. And so I don't. <laughs> So I'm going to fight for my right to own them. Um, and I'm not I'm not here to stew sympathy for Confederate soldiers. Fuck them, honestly. If that's the angle Smyre is going for by having him be a, an ignorant, like, basically drafty who is like someone just handed him a gun and sent him off on his way. Okay. But I don't think that's how it was. I think he was, like, in it. But we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there. Um, so then uh, he also tells Bella that he basically stalks her at night by just watching her sleep. And she's, yeah. only, and she's only angry about it because she's worried she said something embarrassing in her sleep. Yeah! <laughs> I'm like, Bella, homie. There are so many red flags. So many. It's terrifying. She says that she feels safe with him and that's why she's not like 
upset about it or anything, but it's like he, you weren't. If it started after they got together, like if it started from this day, and she's just like, "Why don't you just like stay here tonight?" and he's like, "Well, I don't sleep, so I guess I could just like hang out all night. That's fine." Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but it doesn't start there. It starts no. months ago before you were ever together. Maybe she's red, green, colorblind. Maybe that's why she doesn't see the red flags. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? So She's red, green, colorblind. He wears red, so she can't see him in the green trees. (laughs) So, uh, Bella tells more lies to Charlie. Shame on you, Bella. Um, And then she goes to her room so she can cuddle Edward. And you know what? Canoodling. Yeah, I said to have some canoodling time with Edward in our notes. <laughs> and you know what? I can't blame her. What 17-year-old didn't wish that they could have their boyfriend, like, laying in their bed with them, cuddling them all night? I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. I was privileged. <laughs> um, he also knew where her house key was by the way. I just want to point that out. Yeah, I mean, well, he we had to infer that he knew where her house key was because he went to her house and got her truck key. No, she left the door unlocked that morning. <gasps> oh, so she I specifically... totally forgot about that. Yeah, but we still don't know how the fuck he found the key in her jeans. I My, my theory on this, because it, we still haven't touched on it in any of the chapters, is that because he watches her he knew which uh, pants she wore the last time she uh, drove her truck and remembers uh, her, like, seeing her leave the key in them when she took them off and just knew where to find it because of that. But otherwise, I'm like, how? How? <laughs> so given what we know about Edward and the context that we have, it's a little less disconcerting, purely because we know he doesn't wish her any harm. And he's doing it because he's terrified something bad is going to happen to her. But it's still awful that he... Yeah, that's the problem. Is it's like, it's not that you as an individual are wrong. It's that the things you're doing are wrong. As Dr. Alan Grant portrayed by the incredible actor Sam Neill once said in the Hollywood blockbuster Jurassic Park 3... Some of the worst things known to man have been done with the best intentions. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fucking Sarah terrible dropping her Jurassic Park knowledge. That is a terrible movie. And if you think it's insane that I've read Twilight 31 times now, I watched Jurassic Park, the first one, not the third one, every day for three years. Was it Jurassic World or the sequel that we went to see together at the drive-ins? I guess it was probably Jurassic World. But I don't remember going to the drive-in to see Jurassic World. Was I making out with Brandon? It was for other Sarah's birthday. Oh, I don't remember doing that. You don't? Did we not go together? I don't think we we went. Shit. Anyway. Oh, no. I'm fabricating memories. <laughs> it's starting. Oh my God. You're gaslighting yourself. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, so you said here that you hate the constant shift between them actually being cute and Ed doing dumb shit. 
Yeah, it ruins the mood because I'm just like, oh, look at how cute they are. I stalk you at night. God damn it, Ed. <laughs> it is. Re- it's really um, terrifying because he just like is open. He's so, he's like being honest with her about the fact that he's been stalking her. That's like and- almost what makes it better is it just it's like he doesn't actually grasp that it's wrong so at least like and he doesn't have bad intentions so it's like well at least you aren't like doing bad things or doing things that you know are bad but like you still need to stop (laughs) yeah it is it's (laughs) edward please take my advice don't stalk the girls you like Except for to the point that you know all the things they like, and then you can win them over through gratuitous gift giving. I hear that gifts are a great way to win love, but that's just what I learned from playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> that's just what I learned from watching Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, I see. Which was do you think Twilight he should have gotten fan fiction? Do you think? Edward should have gotten Bella some nice lingerie to wear since she forgot to bring her silk pajamas. I was baffled at that part. I was like, what? I know. Are you, like, I, you ha- I have to imagine that they are like pajama pajamas, like with like the yeah. long sleeves and the buttons and stuff, yeah. but they're still like silk. And so they are maybe a little bit more form fitting and maybe like look a little nice. But the way she, she was just like, I forgot to bring my Victoria's Secret it silk was, pajamas. It's it was like, like, I forgot to bring my corset and <laughs> tights. I'm like, what? And you know what else I forgot? My whips and my chains. Like, dude, girl, you are so thirsty. She even asks him while they're laying in bed, hey, can we fuck? Well, she doesn't say it like that. But she's basically just like, I mean, could we ever, like, be together? Like, you know, like a couple? And he's just like, no, I couldn't control myself. I would hurt you. And I know it's... Can I she- at least suck your dick? <laughs> <laughs> And I know she doesn't bring it up here, but, like, this is the beginning of when you're supposed to think, well, if she was a vampire, everything would be okay. And, because, like, that's the the prevalent theme throughout all the books is she wants to be a vampire so that she can live with Edward. But Edward doesn't want to make her a vampire because he doesn't want to take that, her human life away from her. That I weird have part to... where Edward becomes the reasonable person. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, but the thing is, like, what, what always killed me about it is, like, he was fully intent and spoke multiple times about wanting to be with her forever. But then he was also like, I'm not going to turn you into a bitch. Just do it. Just turn I can understand his, like, worry. Because, like, what if it went poorly and she did regret it? And then you're stuck knowing that you just gave the person you care about a mortal life and that they don't want it. That is true. There is a reason... I have to say that they emphasize the fact that Carlisle only ever changed someone who was actively dying because this was their second chance at getting an actual life and not just dying horribly. Like Edward Emmett was almost killed by a bear. We don't know this yet, but Rosalie was brutally raped and beaten by a group of men and was left bleeding in an alleyway when Carlisle found her and turned her. And, 
I don't remember the story with Alice and um, Jasper, but that he didn't change them, so we don't know. Um, but then as God, they... I would love a story about Rosalie just going and hunting down all of those men and brutally murdering them. That's a very popular Tumblr post. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I just <laughs> literally, like, want... Uh, I want to... I, I don't remember if she hunts them down and kills them. I hope, I hope that's an actual plot point. Not that I condone violence, but... They brutally raped and beat her to the point of death. So you know what? I always condone violence against violent people that have earned it by acting in huge, like, immoral, inhumane ways. Um, So then they cuddle and then they fall asleep. And it's actually a pretty sweet scene. I'm not going to lie. Like, they lay there and he's like, just like, he's like, literally like cuddles her. Like, he's like holding her up against him. And he's, like, telling her about himself and all that stuff. So I, I found that scene to be pretty sweet. Do you know what ruined the cuteness for me? What? So as they were laying there like that, I just remembered the fact that Ed couldn't go to sleep. And then I remembered what it's like to lay next to somebody like that when you're ready to go. Uh, and the fact that that will not stop for him. Because he can't fall asleep. Yeah. So if he laid there the entire night, he would just be sitting, laying there for like eight hours like, can't fuck. Can't fuck. (laughs) Can't fuck. I like to think he has other things on his mind. Like the fact that she listens to metal and Debussy. So deep. I love me some, uh, some hipster bonding. Freaks. But he doesn't lay next to her the whole night because in chapter 15, she wakes up and he's sitting across the room on the floor. No, he's in the rocking chair. Oh, he's on the rocking chair. That's right. There's a part. So, so basically she wakes up, he's sitting in the rocking chair. He's in different clothes. So he reveals that he left and changed his clothes and came back so that if people saw him leaving, they wouldn't think that. I don't know how many neighbors she has because from the way it's described, they're like in the woods. How, okay. How would, I thought it was just a joke because how would anyone even see him? I don't know. I don't know. He's super fast. He's got to go fast. But I mean, I, I also imagine he went home to explain to his family that he would be bringing them by later. Yeah. I thought it, I, I took that them. line as just more mm-hmm. of a joke than anything else. Um, so there's actually a part that, like, gave me the skeevies a little bit when I was reading this, um, where she goes into the bathroom, brushes her teeth, and brushes her hair, and then she runs back into the room and, like, hops onto his lap like a child. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, like, I get that that Smyre is trying to, to portray that she's being bubbly and excited because she's all happy now, but it's it's just weirdly childlike the way that Bella is described to be behaving. And so it's just like, I don't know. Like, it's not supposed to be that way. What? That's your problem with the scene? (laughs) What's your problem with the scene? I thought it was that Bella brushed her hair while it was dry, which is bad for your hair. I will go brush my hair while it's dry right now. You can fight me. Every time I hear that, every time someone sees me brushing my hair while it's dry and they're like, Sarah, don't you know you're going to break your hair if you do that? 
I want to punch them in the face. I'm pretty sure that means you've wanted to punch me in the face multiple times. Yeah. For that specific reason. I mean, other times besides that, but. So the thing is, I have really, 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 really thick hair. And I'm, I'm attributing that trait to Bella as well. So fuck you. Um, so it Look, just... I've attributed her hair to me because we have the same <laughs> red in the sunlight thing. So I'll let you take it. I'll let you have that. So <laughs> it's it does not, it tangles itself. It does not stay untangled. She takes her showers before bed just like I do because it's so hard to get it to dry in time to do anything. I would have to wake up three hours before work if I wanted my hair to be dry by the time I got there because <laughs> it is, it's, impossible imagine her tossing and turning just whipping ed all night with her (laughs) wet hair just oh yeah i do it to brandon all the time but so like some my hair i have to brush my hair when it's dry when i wake up in the morning otherwise i will get no sleep or have to go to bed at like 7 30 at night so that i can wake up early and have to take a damn shower pillows ew i put a towel on my pillow before i go to bed when i shower when I remember to shower. Still damp. Just <laughs> not often. I'm kidding. I shower as often as I need to. Um, so Edward asks Bella to come meet his family. And he suggests that Bella introduce uh, him to Charlie as her boyfriend. And she's like, is that what you are? And he's like, I mean, yeah. I detest. Look, just because I won't dick you doesn't mean I won't keep the other men away. I absolutely detest when people are like, I hate the word boyfriend. It sounds so immature. Bitch, what? Okay, then use partner or significant other. Like, calm down. Like, it's just boyfriend. Boyfriend. It's fine. Shut up. Partner's great. Partner's a great word. Partner is a great word. I say husband because I like to brag about the fact that I got a fucking ring on my finger. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll call I'll call him my also marital, because you're bi my, or you're pansexual and you don't want to confuse people by making them think you might have left him for a woman <laughs> god um the <laughs> I will call him my marital partner from now on how's that how's that <laughs> my spouse I, calling him I my like spouse ambiguity calling him my spouse sounds like I'm about to kill him uh, do you tell uh, do you tell each other that you love each other and that you are one another's life? No, I mean we say I love you sometimes. Because Ed tells Bella you are my life when she <laughs> says I love you. I love you. You are my life. Those are not the same. <laughs> These are not equal. Also, very soon, but whatever. <laughs> Still it's, very soon. Please stop I, hammering that so away. So I don't know if I ever told you this, but Brandon and I said I love you less than a week into our relationship. Well, fuck. I've... You've known each other for years. That's, it's God, acceptable. I did it again. I can't, I, can't, I can't compare us to them. We had six years of friendship leading into our relationship. We're so much better than Edward and Bella. God, I just can't handle it. Um, <laughs> eh, so, not as good of a love story as Twilight. You're right. What was I thinking? Um... So there's actually a really, really common trope in a lot of fiction where a couple will be together and the woman will say, I love you, 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 I love you. And the men will, will never say it. They just won't. Because they're dicks. This, is, this happens so often in fiction that I have resorted to every story I write, the man says it first. 
and fuck you if you don't like it because I'm tired of having to read story after story of a woman who says, I love you, I love you, stay with me, I love you. And then he never fucking says it. And she's just supposed to assume that he also loves her. It's so stupid. This, this is how Kaguya-sama love is war ended up being a thing. Yes, because they both were like waiting for the other one to say I love you. <clears throat> uh, such a good such a good show. Um but yeah, so they go to meet Ed's family. Uh Carlisle is is a nice guy. Nice boy. And Esme is a nice lady. Nice girl. And Alice runs downstairs, stops <laughs> right in front of Bella and is like hi Bella and then kisses her on the cheek that made my gay little heart explode I was so happy when I read that I was just like why why can't I just have this why can't I just have this she's Alice Cullen is amazing I want to move to Hawaii and have enchiladas with Alice Cullen and uh, I don't I don't think anyone would disagree with that. <laughs> Damn you, Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Damn you! It's, um, she's so good. I love her. I love Alice. I will never not love Alice. There are some characters in this book that are so fantastic, and none of them are Edward and Bella. <laughs> uh, and then Jasper comes down, and he just stands, like, in the back, and is like... <laughs> we find out later that it's because Edward told him to keep his distance because he's still kind of feral. <laughs> Bruh, you still got a little bit of that rabies going. Stand back. Can you imagine if he's like in the kitchen with like Alice and Jasper and Carlisle and Esme and he's like, okay, I'm going to bring Bella by later. You know, I really like her. I really want you guys to be nice to her. We're all going to be... Jasper, stay the fuck away from Bella! <laughs> you step oh, on! Oh my god. I do want to say, so this is something we didn't actually mention earlier, but the one who took Ed hunting before their date was Alice. Oh, because yeah. Ed said that Alice is the most supportive and understanding one. But no, like, we still were not prepared for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because she shows up behind Edward when they're, like, getting ready to go. And she's like, hey, Ed, are you ready? Hi, Bella. And it's like, oh, hi. Um, You're perfect. I... <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I love... And the problem uh, is, like you said, she is a Manic Pixie dream girl. And Jasper is the brooding emo boy that the Manic Pixie dream girl has to fix. Uh, which is a little disturbing. But also, Alice Cullen is so perfect. And as even though I don't support the Manic Pixie dream girl trope, when I get one, I can't help but love her. So... You hate yourself and you love her. She's so good. I love Alice Cullen. I wish... Oh, God. Uh, I want an Alice Cullen in my life. We also get insight onto... Uh, we've had backstory for all these characters now, but we get some insight into dynamics where, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Esme's just happy that Ed found somebody because she was worried that he would never be able to. Uh, Alice is super accepting. Jasper just kind of goes along with Alice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Rosalie is not happy because she also, she's jealous of Bella that she's still human. And Emmett's just like, 
I'm gonna keep Rosalie in check. So he's yeah. somewhere else with her trying to like calm her down. And I'm just like, why why do we get so much more backstory for the Cullen family than we do for Bella's? Like It's because, like I said, just... Bella is inconsequential except for when she is with Edward. I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. Once again, I remind you of the um, something like 1,200 pages of Twilight. No, it's even more than 1,200 because each book is like 500 pages. So like 2,000-something pages of Twilight. They don't pass the Bechdel test. Oh, good. <laughs> I, uh... And the thing Remember is... Remember that time when a female wrote <clears throat> one of the best-selling series oh, dying, and then didn't pass the Bechdel test or write believable female characters. <laughs> so there, and I'll, I'll be straight with you. There might be random snippet conversations that pass the Bechdel test, but that doesn't count. It can't be three sentences between two female characters and that passes. I mean, we haven't been set up to believe it's going to pass considering Bella has literally said Ed is her life. So I guess, like, at if least it, we were upfront about if it. If it didn't pass by now, it's not going to. Yeah, she has no. one one-on-one conversation later with Alice and one with Rosalie, and they are both about Edward. Well, L- look, one of them isn't about Edward. I understand that a personality is not just the things you like and do. However, we never get anything aside from, like, reading some books, which she doesn't even go into that much detail about being enthused about, that Bella wants or likes to do. She isn't like, I want to go watch these movies, or I want to play these games, or I want to go do X, Y. I'm just like, there's nothing. There's nothing else here. It's so shallow. And and I will afford her a little bit of leniency because, as we said, she raised herself and also kind of her mother. So it is reasonable that maybe she was just too occupied having to be an adult her entire life to really form hobbies and interests. But that's not... I don't know. It's... It's not interesting storytelling exactly and it doesn't if that was ever addressed then maybe i would be understanding if if edward was like hey so like what are your interests outside of reading and classical music and she was like i don't really have any because you know i was so focused on taking care of my mom okay now we have an answer and well and not only that but like that would also lead the way for him saying look i think it's important that you have some things that you like as a person aside from me like let's get you and then at that point not only do you have a positive building block for their relationship and him addressing that and saying he wants to help her but you have somewhere for the story to go where you you get to see bella learn to enjoy things aside from edward but she can't enjoy things aside from Edward, as is evident when she goes into a depression coma for six months in book two. God damn it. So when Even they... just kissing him <laughs> makes her faint. Makes her faint. She, she fainted. faints in this chapter. Are you fucking kidding me, Smire? I will. Mm. 
I don't ever want to have to speak to you, Smire. <laughs> Absolutely. Who the fuck faints when you when they get kissed? I I I am unreasonably angry about that part in particular. It was really stupid because, and then he's like, oh, when I kissed you yesterday, you attack me. Fuck you, first of all. And then when I kiss you today, you faint. Yeah, because she's a freak. She's a freak of nature, Edward. <laughs> we should have established this by now. Like, dude, you, you can't go into this. He, they are now in love. They are in love. Whether or not I think it's right, they are in love with each other. And he can't kiss her without her fainting. Anyway. Excuse me. They are not in love. They are in your my life together. <laughs> <laughs> you made a note about him licking her tear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So well, we ha- he plays Esme's like, Ed, you've been showing off to Bella. Yeah, go do it You somewhere. know, he plays piano because she asks about the piano in there. And he's like, she's like, I haven't, I didn't know he played. And she's like, well, go show off then. (laughs) So they all leave them so that Ed can play the piano for her. And he plays her a song he wrote for her, which I was just like, boo, cheesy at this stage. I would have liked it if it was like used in another book, like where they were deep enough into the relationship where I found it was meaningful and justified, but I just didn't feel it here. Uh, But he plays the song he wrote her and then she cries afterwards and he reaches out and like catches her tear with his finger and then just stares at it for a second and then and then licks it he puts it in his mouth i'm like why why would you lick a tear that is so fucking weird (laughs) i have to imagine that he does that because he so badly wants to oh this is so gross oh i'm gonna vomit in my mouth he wants to taste her but he can't without hurting her so the only way he can is by eating her tears there's another way to taste her and it would be much more enjoyable for her oh (laughs) (laughs) i love how long that took you i was like wait did the joke not land for nope she just didn't get it (laughs) just took me a second I don't know why. I have a severely nasty mind. I don't know why. I thought I was like, I was just shocked that you weren't responding at all. I literally made a joke in the last episode about every uh, man in the room wanting to suck Edward's dick. And I, for some reason, did not understand that you were referencing cunnilingus. (laughs) Oh, Um, God. So you, you're not. Your last note is something that we've we've harped on quite a bit. Uh, that we have so much information now on the Cullens. We know every single one of their backstories. But we don't know anything about Bella. <laughs> this book should have been Midnight Sun to begin with. Yes, I agree. I we said I said it really early on when we talked about the whole, like, it would have been better for it to be from his perspective, trying to hide it rather than us knowing the mystery and watching Bella try to solve it. And at this point, it's so, his side of the story is so much better fleshed out. And I think that the whole beginning would have been more, would have, it would have been easier to sympathize with him and get through the story and enjoy it. If we had 
his perspective instead of Bella's because Bella's is just boring. It is. It's, I mean, well, it's not just that the thing is calling it boring is hard because it feels like Stephanie Meyer just didn't come up with anything. Like it, I I guess that calling it boring is a disservice to the word boring. Well, yeah, because it's like, if she had an actual backstory that was boring, then I would understand. But it's not that she has a backstory that's boring. It's that she doesn't have one. There's just nothing there. There's nothing. Bella is no one. She is a proxy for a girl who falls in love with a dangerous vampire. And it's infuriating to read. God, that's the end of chapter 15. I can only imagine Midnight Sun's going to be a better book. I really hope so. I don't... I really like... Because uh, uh, I've read it. Well, I've read half of it. And I remember feeling like I was getting clarity on the books that I had previously read. But I imagine that she has edited it since then. Because, like I said, I think I told you when I... Because my copy of the book that I loaned you because I have multiple copies of the book Twilight by Stephanie Meyer published in 2004 uh, <laughs> was the 10th anniversary edition that I bought when I was working at a bookstore. Uh, Cause I was working at a bookstore in 2015 and um, she published this gender bent version where Bella was now beau and um, Edward was now Ethel something. Uh, and so she stated in the opening letter before you get to read Life and Death, uh, which is the, the gender bent version, that she was aware that a lot of things about Twilight were bad and that Bella made a lot of really shitty decisions. And so she wrote the 10th anniversary edition as a way of kind of fixing those problems except it didn't really fix the whole misogynistic issue because it just made a man it made it be a man making good choices versus a woman making bad choices but we'll get into that i'm sure later at some point Um, it's like the only way to properly fix it would be to rewrite the entire series yes which you know what (laughs) go for it do it smire what else do you have as i said it's not that her ideas are always bad. It's just that they're poorly executed. It's just if that she I don't, redid it. I don't think she went to writer college. I. You don't even need to go to writer college, though. Like, I, the, you don't. Neither of us did, but both of us want to be writers. Um. She. Oh God. Okay, she does have a degree in English. Oh shit. That's horrifying. Uh, she she had no prior experience as an author. The idea for Twilight came to her in a dream. She got married at 21. She is 46 years old now. 16 years ago, she was age 30. I feel bad for this woman. I feel terrible that she has had to live through what happened after the Twilight novels came out. Can you imagine being we're tw- I'm 24, you're 25. F- just being a few years older than us and being that fucking insanely successful but also heavily criticized, I would bury myself in the dirt if I was having to deal with that. Oh, poor lady. It's amazing that she was so successful given all the valid criticism. 
Like, the book would have been fine if it just had a few more revisions. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. Well, that's the end of that part. We actually did it. Yeah. We got it down. We that, This recording is shorter than all the other ones we've done. Holy hell. Stephanie, please continue to write chapters that are not so disjointed and crazy so that we can actually talk about them. And are, we Talking about the first five chapters was actually talking about, like, an entire book. Yeah. But it was a bad book. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, I mean, like we said, this was enjoyable. Like, these, these last five chapters got to be, like, actually, like, oh, I'll keep reading. Rather than yeah. just, like, I have to read this because I, I said I was going to make a podcast about it. It's not fine literature, but it is definitely readable. Well, next time it is we're... possible to read it and enjoy it. Yeah, next time, next chapter, chapter sixteen is called Carlisle. So we're definitely gonna get some insight into the man, the myth, the legend, Charlie's secret lover, Carlisle Cullen. I was um, going to say Charlie's going to run away with him at the end of the chapter. <laughs> I wish that would happen, but I feel bad because Esme's very nice. She's a very nice beard. She doesn't deserve that either. She doesn't. Damn it. Damn it. Well, you know, whatever. Alternate universe. Uh, so next time somebody's got to get her. <laughs> we're going to be reading <laughs> chapters sixteen through twenty. And then we'll have 21 through 24 and the epilogue. And that's going to be the end. I'm, I'm excited. We're making such good progress. I know. I'm excited just because I think it's going to be a lot better of a read from now. Going forward. I mean, and I'm, we've we've got the baseball scene coming. Oh, you want to umpire for vampire baseball? (laughs) A.K.A. the horniest scene in teen movies at the time. Supermassive black hole. Oh, Muse. Oh, such. Oh, that movie had such a good soundtrack. I wish. I wish we could just play the music from that that movie. Um. So you know what else? What other movie? Ironically enough, had a really good soundtrack. Was Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. What notes? I didn't watch it, but of course that movie would also try to ruin. Well, good it's, music. it's it's got it's got that Ellie Golding song, that "Love Me Like You Do." That's like real catchy and love fun. Love me like you do. Love, love, love anyway, me. anyway, we should. Well, we can't. We can't do this. Um, well, I guess we'll see our dear faithful listeners on the next one. Um, I'll see you from outside your bedroom windows. Stop. I'm sorry, Edward Cullen. You are not. Um, in fact, <laughs> I'm you, happy for that. you have been M. And I have been Sarah. And this has been, it's 2020 and we're reading Twilight. God help us.